You see, if you don't take off the old, the new will not stick. If you don't take off the old, the new's not going to stick. If you don't get rid of the old thinking, the new is not going to impact and change your life. You've got to change. You've got to pull off and take off the old way of thinking. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible, if you would, to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans, the 12th chapter, we're going to be looking at verse 1 and verse 2. And last week, we started this new series about having a fresh start. We went through four weeks of uh, pursuit, and we talked about, you know, pursuing generosity, as I said, pursuing uh, relationships, pursuing the kingdom of God, making, uh, pursuing God the priority in our life and uh, you know we talked about four weeks of pursuit and then we started last week about a fresh start we want a fresh start if you want a fresh start if you want the next time not to be like the last time then there's certain things that we just you know kind of apply to our lives and last week we talked about this fresh start and we talked about uh how that uh that we need to own it that we need to take responsibility for whatever history that we had in the past. And, you know, a lot of times we, we place the blame on people. Well, it's because of my mom. It's because of my dad. It's because of my sibling. It's because of my spouse. It's because of whatever. And a lot of times we always put uh, the blame on someone else instead of taking responsibility for our part, our own personal part in our negative history. And if you don't want the next time to be like the last time, then you've got to learn to own it. You've got to learn to take responsibility for your past. Be willing, even if it's just 10%. It may not have been all their fault, but it, you know, all of us had a part in it. And, and whatever my past was, whatever it was, take responsibility for your own past instead of trying to push it on. Because I've learned something. If you don't take responsibility for your past, you're going to drag it into the next relationship, into the next financial decision, into the next part of your spiritual life or season of your spiritual life. You're going to drag the past into the next season of life. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want to do that. I don't want to drag my past into the next season of my life. Now, you may look at me and say, well, you're getting old. Well, no, I'm not. I'm older, but I'm not getting old. I don't know if I'll ever get old. I'll just get older. And I'm okay with that because there's only one alternative to stop getting older. So I'm okay with getting older anyway. So we talked about how can we ensure the next time won't be like the last time and, and how that we, we had some false presumptions. You know, we talked about those false presumptions, how that experience makes one wiser that's a false presumption because experience doesn't make you wiser. Evaluated experience. Evaluated experience makes you wiser. And I think that's so important. It, 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 it's a game changer when you evaluate. Count it all joy. Notice what James said. Count it all joy. The word count means to evaluate. Evaluate in the light of what God is doing for you. And I was talking to a lady last, in fact, it was, uh, last Sunday, I believe it was, I was talking to a lady, or maybe Tuesday, I was talking to a lady, and she came up to me, and she was talking about what was going on in her job and what was happening and everything, and I said, listen, you need to understand something. The devil tempts you to bring out the worst in you. 
The devil tempts you to bring out the worst in you. God tests you to bring out the best in you. So what if you begin to evaluate your situation instead of saying, oh God, oh God, I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted by the devil because the devil is trying to bring out the worst in me. What if you begin to evaluate in the light of what God is doing for you? God, you're testing me because you want to build me. You want to grow me. You want to mature me. You want to do something in me so you can do something through me. And you begin to evaluate what you're going through in light of what God is doing for you instead of what the devil is doing to you. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. God, what are you trying to teach me? What area of my life are you trying to grow me? God, what, what, what are you doing so that I can work with you in this situation and it can be, become a pivotal point in your life? And so evaluate what God is doing for you. And so we talked about that. And, and we use the phrase, since I know better, I'll do better. And we know that's not true. Since I know better, I'll do better. No, you won't. Because you don't have the ability or the power within you in your flesh, in yourself, to do better. That's why the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. That's why you have the comforter, the helper. That's why you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you so that he can give you the power, empower you to do better and, and become an overcomer because you'll never do it on your own. you got to have some help, and the help must come from the Holy Spirit of God. And then the third uh, false presumption when it's time is your enemy. I just don't have time. Time is not your enemy. It's your friend. And if you and I pause long enough in our life to begin to evaluate our past and my part in it, it can, you can leverage it to work for your benefit. And so we talked about those things last week and owning it. Well, this week, I want us to go to a little step further. And I want us to look at Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1. Now, as a parent... And just as a person, as a parent and just as a person, have you ever responded to one of your children or one of your co-workers or one of your classmates or whatever, have you ever responded to, to, to that person to something you saw them do and ask, what were you thinking? What were you thinking when you made that decision? What were you thinking when you bought that car. What were you thinking? And I, and I, I'm not saying don't buy cars. That's not what I'm saying. What were you thinking? Uh, in years, uh, back in, in 2000, we came here in, in 2000. In 2001, we bought a house in November. I think it was in November of 2001, we bought a house. And, and, and so, you know, you always go, you know, you get pre-approved and all that stuff. So I went online and, and uh, they told me what I was pre-approved for. And they told me in the year 2001 that I was pre-approved for 200, I could borrow up to $237,000 at that time. And that's 21 years ago, 22 years ago. Now today, that's the, the, anyway, the market's a whole lot different today was then. And so when I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. I can borrow $237,000 and have a house payment that's probably over $2,000 a month and sit on the front porch and do nothing because that's what I would have been doing. Nothing. 
I wouldn't have eat out. I wouldn't have enjoyed life. I wouldn't have done nothing but make the monthly house payment. And I thought, no way. And, but people do that. And I'm thinking, what, what were you thinking? What were you thinking when you, 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 you did that? And, and you see people making decisions, and you often ask yourself in your mind, what were you thinking? I mean, if we were to pause for just a moment and look back at our own personal lives, I am sure there was someone that was thinking the same thing about our decisions. And looking back, our decision doesn't even make sense to us. Does it? I mean, sometimes the decisions I make, I, think, I look back and I think, boy, that was dumb. Boy, that was foolish. What were you thinking, Randy? And the thing was, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> What were you thinking? Well, if you desire for the next time not to be like the last time, whatever area of your life, spiritual, your physical, your emotional, your, your financial, your career, your, your relationships, whatever, whatever arena, if you desire for the, this time not to be like the last time, then we need to stop long enough and come up with an answer to the question, what was I thinking? I mean, if you think the way you always have thought, you will keep doing the things you have always done. If you keep thinking the way you always thought, you'll keep doing the things you've always done. You know, I, used, I, I didn't coin this phrase. Greg, Greg Rochelle coined this phrase. I was taught, so I thought. Now, I'm going to tell you, I was taught, so I thought. In my spiritual life, I was taught, so I thought. And as I began to grow older and, and begin to understand and mature, I began to realize that everything I taught was what I thought. It really was. And some of the things that I was taught was stinking thinking. I mean, just stinking thinking. What were you thinking, Randy? Well, I was thinking this because I was taught this. I mean, really. I mean, I, I used to be one of those, one of those people that, that I, I, went, I mean, I, I was a Christian in high school. I was a Christian, and, you know, and, and, and most everybody knew I was a Christian, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't always do everything right, but I, I, you know, I proclaim or profess to be a Christian in high school, and, and, and not everyone thought like I did. I'm just going to be honest. Not everyone thought like I did. Not everyone lived like I did. And I, I often thought, what are you? You call yourself a Christian and look what you're doing? <clears throat> Boy, I was judgmental. Thank God that God has changed me. In fact, I think God has just kind of turned my whole life around sometimes. But I used to be that way. I was taught, so I thought. Now, I didn't say my parents taught me that. Just people. Well, if you keep thinking the way you do now, you're going to keep doing the things that you've always done. So Paul tells us in Romans, the 12th chapter, in verse 1, and I want us to read this, verse 1 and 2. And I want us to break it down for just a moment. Therefore, therefore, now, every time you see that word, therefore, you have to ask the question, what's that therefore, therefore? That therefore is therefore, that therefore is there because he, he, 
kind of referring to the past. Because, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Because Jesus Christ gave his life, sacrificed his life for your salvation. Because of everything that Jesus Christ did. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. I love that. I urge you, brothers, therefore, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Oh, I love that. Offer yourselves as a sacrifice to God because everything you do is an act of worship. Whether you're singing on the praise team, whether you're giving, whether you're serving, whether you're working, whatever you do is an act of worship. I'm telling you, when you go to work tomorrow, go with the mindset and the attitude, I'm working for Jesus. I'm not working for my government. I'm not working for someone else. I'm working for Jesus today. And watch your attitude begin to change. Because it's your spiritual act of worship. Whatever you do. And then he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, let's kind of pause there for just a minute. Now, Paul wrote this. And Paul, if you go back to Philippians, I believe it is the third chapter, he kind of gives you his pedigree. And he says, concerning, you know, uh, in, in fact, let me just turn there right quick because I, I, I want you to really get it, what he says. In Philippians, the third chapter, I believe it is. And, and um, he says, in, in chapter three, he says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee as for zeal persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Now, Paul was taught he was taught the law. He was taught the way of the Pharisee. He was taught, you know, how to live a righteous, holy life by the law. And he lived it. He lived it by the law. He persecuted the church because he thought it was the right thing to do. He was having the saints of God killed because, after all, the saint Jesus Christ couldn't have been. He couldn't have been the Son of God. And, and, and therefore, you know, I mean, it goes against the law of God, everything we've been taught. So I'm telling you, he was a Pharisee and such a Pharisee that he persecuted the church. Now, this is Paul. He is very, very religious. And Paul was a product of this because of his teachings, because of how he was taught. Paul writes and he says, now listen, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Now that word conform to the pattern means don't be like everybody else. In your relationships, don't be like everybody else. 
In your spiritual life, don't be like everybody else. In your career, don't be like everybody else. Whatever it is, in your finances, don't be like everybody else in the world. Because I've discovered something. If you want to be like everybody else in the world, all you got to do is flow. All you got to do is go with it. It doesn't take any discipline to be like everybody else. It doesn't take any, any kind of uh, a special ability to be like anybody else. I mean, if you want to be just like everybody else in the world, just flow with the world. But I've discovered something. I don't want to be like everybody else in the world. I really don't. Because most of the world is in debt up to their eyeballs. I don't want to be like the world. And a lot of the world is, is, is struggling in their spiritual relationship. I mean, they are struggling in their spiritual life. I don't want to be like the rest of the world. I want to be different. I don't want to conform to the pattern of the world. And I'm telling you, I've learned something, that if you want to be like the world, all you got to do is just go with it. But do you really want to be like the world? Do you really want to be like everyone? Do you really want to be a cookie-cutter picture of those that you see in the world? I don't. I don't. And he tells us, be transformed. Don't be like everyone else. And then he tells us how to be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you really want to be transformed, you're going to have to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you think about yourself. You've got to change the way you think about life. You've got to change the way you think about God. You've got to change the way you think about your job. You've got to change the way you think about your purpose. You've got to change the way you think. If you don't want to be like the world, you've got to change the way you think. Now, I'm telling you, this is a game changer. Because when I begin to realize and begin to say, you see, I know what the world says of me. I know what the world says of me. But you know what? I also know what God says about me. God says I'm fearfully made into his image. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God says that, that, that I'm unique, that I'm special, that I, that I have purpose, that life has meaning, that I have value. That's what God says about me. Listen, there are times that I don't feel valuable because of the flesh or the world or whatever, but I'm telling you, God says, Randy, you are very worth. You, you, you have a lot of worth. You are valuable to me. I made you and created you in my image, and you have great value. And tell you what, the older I get, I need to realize what God says about me. I got tickled at Canaan today. Canaan came in my office this morning, and he was telling me about this computer, and, and, and I'm not computer savvy. I can do Microsoft Word. I can do Microsoft Excel. I can do Microsoft... Uh, what is the presentation? 
PowerPoint, thank you, PowerPoint. You know, I, 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 I can work on a computer. I can turn it on. I can turn it off. I can save files and everything. And, and, and he came in here, and, and he was talking to stuff, and I was just looking at him probably with a kind of a blank look in my eyes, you know, and just kind of staring at him. And I said, yeah, I can do that. And I'm thinking, I think I can. <laughs> well, maybe I need to take him to show me how to get to that link that he's talking about and everything. But you know something? The world and the devil will tell me that, Randy, you're not, you're not really worth much. I mean, you're 64 years old. You just need to go ahead and retire and, and, and just let these younger folks have it. You know, and, and I'm thinking, you know, you're right. I, I, I don't know as much as these younger people do. And, and, and in fact, I told them the other day, I said, that's the reason we hired you. I have you here so you can keep me straight and not make me look like a jerk or let me feel foolish or something. I have you here because you are of great value. I'm, you know, and I've discovered something. I'm of great value to God and to the body of Christ. Not because of my smarts, but mostly because of my experience. You are of great value. So you begin to think differently. Stop thinking like the world. Don't be a cutty, a cookie cutter, a picture of what everybody else is. You renew your mind. You renew your thinking. And listen, to renew means to restore. In order to restore, you've got to take off the old. How many's ever restored a vehicle? If you go out there and look at my blue truck, oh, see, I love my blue truck. I love that thing. I drive it more than the other one. Both of them are paid off, but I love that blue truck. Kim hates it. And I did something not too long ago. I, the, the, the paint was kind of peeling and, and everything, so I thought, well, I'll just kind of touch it up a little bit and fix it, you know. And, and so I sanded it down, and I sprayed it with some primer and, and uh, you know, and, uh, and everything now. Well, if you go out there and look at it now, it's all peeling off. <laughs> and you know why? Because I didn't take off the old. <laughs> you see, if you don't take off the old, the new will not stick. If you don't take off the old, the new's not going to stick. If you don't get rid of the old thinking, the new is not going to impact and change your life. you got to change. you got to pull off and take off the old way of thinking. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in the world. I should have taken the truck over to David and said, David, would you please fix this for me because he used to paint. He knows how to do that stuff. You see, I didn't. There's some kind of rust inhibitor you're supposed to put on there, and, and there's all this other. You got to take off the old. And listen, as a Christian, you've got to learn to take off the old. In fact, look what he says in Ephesians 4 22, 23. You were taught, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Oh, I love this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Notice that. The attitude of your mind. In the attitude of your thinking. He tells us in Colossians 3, 9, and 10. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on and have put on the new self, which is, hear this, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image 
of its of his creator. In Romans 6 and 11, Paul writes and he said, in the same way. In what way? In the same way, count. The word count means to what? Consider. It means to count here, means to consider. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count yourselves to be dead to sin. Think differently. I'm telling you, I'm in the flesh, but I'm putting off the old and putting on the new by renewing my mind, changing the way I think. Now, let's be real. Since I have become a Christian, I have been very tempted. And like, yeah, am I the only one that's tempted? Am I, am I the only one tempted? You know, just because, just because I, I got saved and gave my heart to Jesus Christ and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and the new, just be, I'm telling you what, there's some pretty women out there. I didn't go blind. I'm just being honest. You look at me like, you see pretty women? Well, yeah, my wife's the prettiest woman here. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the rest of you are pretty, but she's the prettiest. I'm just saying. But, but listen, just because a thought goes through my mind, I used to think, I used to think, now this is the way I used to think. I used to think, oh God, I'm supposed to be saved. I'm, I'm supposed to be cleansed. I'm sanctified and I, I, I'm filled with your Holy Spirit, God. And, 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 and God, she really looks good. Uh, oh God, why did I think that? Why did I think that? And the devil has a way of accusing me. See, if you'd really been saved... If you really were filled with the Holy Spirit, you would never thought a thought like that. You would have thought that about your wife, but you would have never thought that about someone else. So you must not really be as sanctified as you thought you were. Now, am I the only one? Okay, maybe I am. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Wayne. <laughs> The point is, change your thinking. He says right here, count yourselves dead to sin. You know, when the devil tries to entice me and throw some kind of junk and garbage in my mind, you know what I've learned to do? Oh, God, I thank you that I'm not the old man that I used to be. God, I thank you, Lord, that I have no, I have no desire whatsoever to do anything that's ungodly. I have no desire, God. I thank you that I'm a born-again Christian, that you have changed me, that I no longer, I'm putting off the old man. I'm changing the way I think. I, I tell you what, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. I thank God that, 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 I'm telling you, I, I evaluate, I count, I consider myself dead to sin. Oh, God, I just thank you that I don't want to do that. And I tell you what, when the devil, the devil gets so angry, he gets so mad at me. Because when I give praise, when he's tempting me, he just gets angry. 
That's not what I want to hear from you. I don't want to hear nothing that, oh, I thank God that you changed me. I thank God that I'm transformed. I thank God that I don't want to do that. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear you struggle. You change the way you think. Listen, Paul was taught to be a Pharisee. He was taught to be legalistic. He was taught all the laws of God, and he lived by the the legalistic system of the law. But did you know when Paul became a born-again Christian, he had to pause? In fact, if you study the life of Paul, you'll find that right after he got saved and his eyes were open, that he went into the temple and he began to preach. You know, I've heard people say, well, man, God's called me to preach. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. God's called me to do this. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do it now. I want to do it now. Do you know that you're not ready to do it now? You need to pause long enough to begin to change the way you think. And if you study the life of Paul, Paul left the temple and left the disciples and went into the Arabian desert. And for three years, he got into the word, the law. He got into the word. And he got in his relationship with God, his personal relationship with Jesus. And it changed the way he thought. You see, sometimes you pause long enough to leverage and allow God to change the way you think. It becomes a game changer in the next season of your life. You're renewing your mind. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot overcome. I, I, I hear what I'm saying. You cannot overcome until you peel off the old and begin to change the way you think about God, about yourself, and your salvation. I used to think God was a God of judgment. And God was just waiting on me to commit a sin so he could discipline me. I've discovered God is a God of love. Now, God does have to judge sin, but God really already judged sin. Did you know that? God has already judged sin on the cross through through his son, Jesus Christ. So when I accepted Jesus and what he did on the cross, I don't have to worry about judgment. I just get to fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with God. And today, I don't see God as a God that's waiting to strike me down. I see a God that is patient, that is kind, that is long-suffering, that is gentle, that is loving. But I had to take the time to change the way I thought about God. And notice what he goes on to say there in verse 2 of, of, of 12, Romans 12. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then after your mind is renewed, after you've changed your stinking thinking, after you've changed the way you thought, after that, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. 
His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That word test and approve means that you will be able to discern and sort out. When you begin to dig yourself into the word of God and you begin to change the way you think, then you will be able to discern and sort out what is pleasing to God and what God's will is for your life. Today, I, I want to please my Savior. I, 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 I'm... I want to please my Savior more than I want to please you. I really do. And you see, when I begin to, to, just to seek him and pursue him, and I begin to dig it into the word and let it change the way I think and let it change my life, and I begin to, to count or to consider myself dead to sin, it changed everything. Now I can discern and sort out what is pleasing to God and his will. I wasn't always able to do that. But because of a renewed mind, because now I can discern and sort out, is this pleasing to God? I was sharing with the, the men's Bible study yesterday. I had a great discussion in our men's Bible study yesterday. And I was sharing in, in men's Bible study. Now, I, I'm going to, can I be real with you guys? I love... Don't you take this and run with it without hearing the whole story. I love a pina colada. There's something about that coconut. Now, when I get a pina colada, I get it without alcohol, okay? So I call it a nada colada. Just saying. But do you know that you will probably never see me drink one here in St. Mary's or Kingsland. <laughs> why? I mean, why would I not go to a restaurant and say, listen, I want you to give me a pina colada without the alcohol? Now, listen, this is not about the alcohol situation. This is not about the alcohol situation. You, you got to understand something about alcohol. For me, I cannot drink any alcohol whatsoever. I cannot. I cannot. None. None. Because the Bible says a bishop is not to be given to any wine. None. Deacon, he can have a little. <laughs> okay. Now, don't take it and run with it. Sorry, Zach. None for you. <laughs> well, let me share something with you. You will probably never ever see me drink one because I want to please the Lord. It's not a matter of what is right or what is wrong. I want to please the Lord. And God has told me, like, this is, I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you, okay? I'm talking about me. People know that I'm a pastor, that I'm a bishop. And when I, that word bishop means pastor, and that knows I'm a bishop. And, and because of that, when I'm out in public, I don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm a pastor that drinks alcohol. 
No, I, I, I'm, I'm not looking at you and saying it's wrong for you to do it. I'm, I'm telling you, me, this is a personal conviction that God has laid on my heart about me. And because I have searched the scripture out and discovered what God wants, I can discern what God wants me to do and sort out what's pleasing to him. What's pleasing to him. And so, therefore, the, the, the Bible says, don't let the, the very appearance of, you know, don't, in other words, be aware of your appearance. Be, be aware of how you conduct yourself as a Christian. Be aware of how you talk. Be aware because you, you, you don't want your good to be evil spoken of, okay? So even though I went and had me a pina colada without alcohol in it, if you came up and you saw me drinking a pina colada, you would think, hey, my pastor's drinking. I am drinking. But it got no alcohol in it. But I don't want to even give the world that impression. And so I know that it's pleasing to the Lord for me not to do it. And so I don't do it. Okay? Now, this is a personal thing. You got to hear what I'm saying. It's a personal thing. You see, years ago, years ago, if I saw you do it, I'd think, hey, man, you're going to hell. You're sinning. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, as a bishop, I can't do it. I should not do it. And I want to please the Lord. That doesn't say that. that don't say, hey, did you hear what the pastor said? He said, I can leave church and I can go out and give me something to drink today. Thank God. <laughs> That's not what I said. That's not what I said. I know. But if you change the way you think, what does God say about my relationship with people? What does God say about my relationship with my spouse, my wife? What does God say about my relationship with my children? What does God say about my purpose? What does God say about my finances. What does God say about helping people? You see, when you begin to dig yourself into the Word and you begin to renew your mind and change the way you think, you can test, you can discern and sort out what is pleasing to God and His perfect will is for your life. And I'm going to tell you, being in the perfect will of God is a game changer. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. 22 years ago, 23 years ago, I was at a place in my life, and this has happened to me twice, that I really had to make a decision that was pivotal. It was pivotal. And I was trying to hear from the Lord, trying to hear from the Lord, trying to hear from the Lord. God, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And sometimes God is silent in those moments. And in those moments that God is silent, I want to challenge you to do something. Don't make a decision. Don't make a decision. Because when you make a decision, when God is silent, you're going to make a decision based on your emotions and what you feel. 
I don't want to base any decision I make on how I feel. I want to base it on, God, what do you say about it? Whether it's a relationship, whether it's a career, whether it's spiritual, whatever arena of my life, God, what do you say about this area of my life? What is your perfect will and what pleases you? Because I'm telling you, it can be a game changer. It was 23 years ago that <clears throat> I was frustrated at my job, and I was, I don't even like to share the story, and I was so ready to quit, and I was ready to take the next opportunity, and I was looking, looking, looking for an opportunity, and an opportunity presented itself. And God told me, no, 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 no. Three times he said, no, no, no. And so I went and checked it out anyway. Now, you may have never done that, but I did. I checked it out anyway because I had already committed myself to going and checking it out and everything. So I, I thought, well, God, I, you know, I already committed, so I'll check it out. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a man of my word, so I'll check it out, and I'll go. And I went. And God had already said, no, that's not where I want you. No, 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 no. And so I come back, and the overseer calls me and offers me the job. He said, I've never had this to happen. 100% of the church wants you to come and be their pastor. Okay, let me pray about it. God had already told me no. But no, instead of pray, instead of, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I kind of talked to God. I said, God, you know, you know they, they're offering me. This is a great opportunity. God, look at, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, they, you know, the parsonage is right next to the river. I mean, I mean, they got a, I mean, look, God, look, God. Uh, and they're offering me $10,000 more if I'll take it. God never would change his mind. And I argued with God. And finally, two weeks later, I called the guy back and I said, listen, God said no. That's what he told me. He said no. He said okay. God never told me why at that, at that point. He never told me why I couldn't go. And it looked like a golden opportunity doing what God had called me to do. But I knew that God had said no. I discerned. And I was able to sort out, even though it's something I wanted bad, God said no. And then it was about a month later, I was talking to a man sitting at a lunch at Dairy Queen, Dahlonega, Georgia. And I'm sitting with this pastor across from me, he was one of my mentors. And he said, I mean, all of a sudden the Spirit of God moved on him and he said, I believe the Lord will tell me, would have me to tell you that you can go and that I'll give you souls, that I will bless your ministry. Well, that's not what God told me, but anyway, I'm here, I'm listening. And then he paused and he said, but if you go, you may lose your family. And I thought, God, there is nothing worth losing my family for. 
You did not call me into ministry for me to, me to lose my family. And it was at that point that God explained why he said no. Listen, I'm trying to share with you that in your journey, in your walk, if you want a fresh start, that you don't have the results like you had the last time, whatever arena of life it is in, spiritual, whatever other arena, then you've got to be willing to leverage the time and pause long enough to ask the question, what was I thinking? Has my thinking been wrong? Has my thinking been maybe uh, misconstrued because of what I was taught? And you pause long enough to have a renewed mind. Ask the question, what was I thinking? What am I thinking? And when you begin to have a renewed mind, to, to peel off the old and put on the new, the new way of thinking, God will give you the ability to discern and sort out what's pleasing and God's perfect will for your life. And it becomes a game changer. It changes everything. I'm thankful today that I made that decision not based on what I felt, but based on what God said. It changed everything for my future. And see, God wants a good future for you. He wants a good life for you. He wants to give you a hope. He wants to give you a future. He wants to make your life have purpose and have meaning. But you've got to be willing to pause long enough and leverage the time that God gives you to change the way you think. Would you stand? What if, what if you begin to have a changed or renewed mind? You know, there's a few assumptions that we often think, and, and, and hear what I'm saying. People that are getting into relationships or want relationships, this is what they say. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. You need to change your way of thinking. It's not if you find the right person, everything will be all right. It's if you become the right person. There's a difference. If you become the right person, then everything will be all right in relationships. It's not just finding the right person. It's becoming the right person. My situation is unique. My situation, have you ever said that? I've said that. My situation is unique. Listen, your situation is not unique. Because the Bible makes it clear that everything we face, everything we go through is common to all of man. Your situation is not unique. You are unique. You are unique, but your situation is not. If only I had blank, then I would be satisfied. But you know something? Appetites are never fully satisfied. Appetites are never fully fulfilled. No, you got to change 
thing. I owe is better than I want. I owe is better than I want. If you owe, you became a slave to the lender. I owe is not better than I want. I want is better than I owe. I can tell you that from experience. So I'm just saying, whatever your situation, what if you pause long enough and ask the question, what am I thinking? What am I thinking? Spiritually, what am I thinking? In whatever arena, what am I thinking? And you pause long enough to ask that question and answer it from a biblical point of view. It can be a game changer in your future. A pivotal point in your life that makes life better. It makes you better for life. Father God, I pray today that you speak. God, the word that I've shared, God, I, I try to make it simple. I tried to make it where you can apply it, where we can apply it to our lives. God, would you speak to us today? Because I know that everyone in this room and everyone that's listening online, God, is at a season or a point in their life that they need to ask the question, what am I thinking? What am I thinking about this? Or what am I thinking about that? And they need the Lord to not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of their mind and they renew their minds we renew our minds by asking the question God what do you say about this what do you say about me what do you say about my career what do you say about my spouse what do you say about my relationships Lord what do you say about whatever ask the questions what am I thinking and why am I thinking like this God, I pray that you speak to our hearts today because this can change our future. That it won't be a future that we repeat or a past that we repeat. But it will be a game changer in our lives. So would you speak to us today? I ask it in your name, Jesus. I want us to pause long enough this morning right where you're at. And this altar's open if you want to come. But I want you to pause long enough because I feel like God is speaking. And God wants you to have a fresh start at whatever season of life you're at. But you've got to be willing to take responsibility for your past. You've got to be willing to leverage the time that God gives you to have a renewed mind. To peel off the old way of thinking. To put on a new way of thinking. To get rid of that stinking thinking, so to speak. God, what do you say about it? Because I'm telling when you do it and apply it, you can sort out and discern what God's perfect will is for your life and what pleases Him. And it's a game changer. It's a game changer for your future. So I want you to pray. I want you to listen to the Lord as Derek is leading us and JC is leading us in worship. I want you to listen to what the Spirit of God is speaking to you today. Let it change your future. Derek. I'm caught up in your praises. 
I just wanna sit here at your feet, caught up in this holy. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.